Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I want to share a message with you today. Um, I, of course, I, I don't have to do it, but I love to do it. I want to share a message about gratitude, thanksgiving and gratitude. But what we're going to learn today are some very powerful principles about why gratitude is so important. I, I chose that word, the impact of gratitude, because I wanted to use a forceful word. Earlier this year, I did a series using the word impact. Impact is a word of force. It's a word of power. It changes the status quo. It's not business as usual when an impact takes place. And so uh, recently, I, I had one of those. I was just minding my own business, sitting at the stop sign. Unfortunately, in Phyllis's car, and a lady, I guess, was texting or, or something and ran right in the back of me. It was an impact. And it was loud. And th- there was change on the console. And she hit it so hard, it, flew, it, hit, it went into the back of the window of the car. And it was loud. And it was impact. And I'm just sitting there minding my own business. You know, have you ever been on those things? And, and, and you know, and, and pow, loud, strong, impact. And so uh, I had a fresh reminder recently about impact. I'm good. God's good. And and uh, had little had Izzy had my little grandson with me in the back seat and where he's supposed to be in his seat belt like he was supposed to be. And he and I were both fine. He was a little upset until the police car came and then he was happy because he saw the lights in the police car and he kept asking me, he, uh, "Gee, Daddy." Are, are you going to get a ticket? I said, no, I'm not going to get a ticket. I didn't do anything wrong. And then, then the policeman hands me the uh, accident report. He said, did you get a ticket? I said, no. It's the... So anyway, he was sure I was going to get a ticket. I, but, but once the cop car came and the lights came, it was a good day for him. But I can tell you, an impact changes everything. And gratitude, I want us to see this today, is not just a uh, once-a-year mindset. It's not just about having a meal together. Gratitude is not an option. I want you to get this. In your spiritual journey, it, it, it is God's design for us. When we operate in gratitude, it changes everything in our life. But as I went through this studying, I began to realize as, as I studied this that not only is there an incredible impact when we do have gratitude, and I have to share this with you part of the message today, there's also a very damaging impact when we lose gratitude. It, it's, really, it's really very uh, sobering to look at the lack of gratitude and what it enables. So we're going to learn some very important things today. Let's begin with 2 Corinthians 9.15. <clears throat> As you're turning there, let me say, when, when, when I'm having my time of thanking God, I want you to know, Calvary family, you guys are way up on that list. I thank God for every one of you. You're just, you're amazing. You're an amazing church. You're an amazing church family. I thank God for you. My family's thankful for you. We, we talk about the blessing of being given the privilege to be uh, shepherds and servant leaders of this church family. And, and we love you. I love you. I bless you today. I'm thankful for you today. My heart is full of gratitude for you today. You're You're an amazing church family. So where does gratitude begin? There there are many verses, but this says it succinctly in one sentence. Look at this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Jesus Christ, 
is where everything that's good and grateful begins in our life. As we are gathered here today on this day to think again, to pause, remember, reflect that every good thing in our life has come because of God's grace and giving His Son. Can anybody say amen to that? We're thankful today. Indescribable means we really run out of words to tell God how thankful we are for Jesus Christ, to be born again, to know we're forgiven and blessed. It, it, it is the greatest gift. It all begins there. And so I said it a moment ago, gratitude is woven into the very nature of a born-again believer. It's part of our spiritual DNA. It's who we are. And as that operates, as gratitude and thankfulness is present, we live our life at the highest level. We live the way God intended us to live as believers. If that, if that drifts from our life, we miss some things. Listen, this is the definition of gratitude. We get part of it, but I don't know if we get all of it. Gratitude is this. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful. Well, we know that, don't we? The quality of being thankful. That's not the end of the definition. Listen, there's another part. Gratitude, the quality of being thankful, listen to this, readiness to show appreciation and return kindness. Readiness to show appreciation and return the kindness. So a heart of gratitude is not just words, there's actions connected to it. When I'm genuinely grateful, it's not only my words, but it's my actions. Now as Christians, I, we're thankful people. We give thanks to God. We, we, we worship Him as, as we sang our thanks and we sang our gratitude to God and we pray and we say, God, I thank you. I thank you for the indescribable gift. I thank you for your son, Jesus. But it doesn't stop there because, again, gratitude is not only the quality of being thankful, it's the readiness to show my appreciation for that. So how would I, as a Christian, show God I'm really thankful for what he's done? How would I do that? How would I not only have words, and, and, and I can't imagine a Christian who doesn't have thankful words. I can't imagine being a believer and, have nothing, and to have nothing to thank God for. I can't imagine being a believer and never wanting to worship and thank God. But beyond that, what would I do? Well, we get a little insight because Jesus said, when you do this for the least of these, you've done it for me. You know, probably the greatest way we show our gratitude to God is with our words and with our actions, and our actions are with those who probably can't do anything back in return for me. When I express my kindness to someone, I'm giving gratitude to God. When I feed someone who's hungry, Jesus said, you're giving thanks to me. When I show gratitude to, to him by being generous and kind like he is, we're honoring God. We're thanking God. So, so being grateful is not just what I say, it's what I do. Let me show you some things very quickly. I want to step you through three or four areas here to show you the impact of gratitude before we look at the impact of ingratitude. So let's look at this first one, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. I love this verse because if you're never sure what to do, are you with me? If you're ever in a moment and you think, I don't know what I ought to do now, I've got the answer for you. Give thanks when? If you don't know what to do, thank God. <laughs> if you say, man, I don't know what to do right now, thank God. Now watch something. We've mistaught this in the church. And I believe it's caused people to stumble. It may have caused some people to lose their faith in God. Now watch this. The Bible says give thanks in, not for, all circumstances. 
No, I've had people teach that we're to thank God for everything. The Bible teaches us in all things, not for all things. For every good thing. Let me tell you something. I think it's well, probably sincere, but it's misguided. Maybe you've heard this done. Maybe somebody else has and they, they don't understand it. Maybe somebody's been praying and maybe a, a beloved family member has a sickness. And, and someone's praying and they say, Lord, we just want to thank you for giving Aunt Susie cancer. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Or you get a diagnosis. Somebody has a disease and somebody says, Lord, we just thank you that for the disease. Now, wait a minute. You haven't studied your Bible. You haven't read your Bible. And we look in the Word of God. God never created disease. God didn't create sickness. The Bible says in James, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Sickness and disease came from the fall. It was put on this human race when Satan got his inroad when man sinned. And so the Bible doesn't tell me to have faith, and if I trust in God, I thank him for what the devil does. I thank him for the bad choices of man. I thank him for the things that are a result of the fall. I thank him that in the midst of what the devil does, what man does, what life does, what corona does, in the middle of it, I'm thankful that he's still my God. So in every circumstance, it's always appropriate to thank God. Not for, but in. Do you see that? So, so what we read, church family, can I tell you something? The place to live your life is in the will of God. Let me share something with you. I've discovered when I'm in the will of God, the results are left up to Him. See, if I'm living outside His will, if I'm doing my thing, it's up to me to make life work. When I'm in the will of God, He takes responsibility to make my life work. It's an incredible privilege to live in the will of God. It's always His will to give thanks. Look at this, Philippians 4 6 and 7, we find uh, the same truth being shared. Philippians chapter 4, and I want us to look at verses 6 and 7. They're going to come up. I can find her. Here it is. Okay. Now watch this. Watch this. Don't be anxious about anything. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But let me say it like this. 2020 has given each of us a lot of good opportunities to be anxious. (laughs) Let's tell the truth. Now, here's what I love about the Lord. He's never the just don't do it God. He's not the God that says don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. He's the God who says this is not good for you, but this is. This thing will hurt you, but this thing will heal you. Are you with me? God always gives you a better alternative. So watch this. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, we know we need to understand the rest of this because anxiety will come. So don't be anxious about anything, but when? In Every situation, just like 1 Thessalonians 5.18. But in every situation, are you with me? By prayer and petition, oh, here it is, with thanksgiving, hold it here for a minute, present your request to God. So what he's telling us, again, that in every situation, we're to be thankful to God. When I'm praying, see, it's, it's a moment. Life is real. Stress is real. Pressure is real. And he's saying in the moments where anxiety and stress are trying to flood your life, what you need to remember is to say, God, I'm going to ask you to meet this need, and I'm going to thank you right now while I'm praying. I'm not going to wait on an answer. I thank you while I'm asking. Are you with me? Now, watch what happens in verse 7 when we do that. And the peace of God, wow, which transcends your understanding. Do you get that? You will not be able to explain 
while still in the middle of the storm, the peace of God comes on your life. And it came, why? Because you did what he said. You had a choice of anxiety or thanks. I can either be overcome and stressed, or I can ask God to meet my need and start being thankful when I do. Peace comes right then. It transcends understanding. Watch this. It guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful that being thankful will put a guard around your mind? Put a guard around your heart? Make anxiety go back out of your life? I'm telling you, being grateful has incredible impact. But here's something we've rarely connected in this same passage. I want you to see this. Paul, the great missionary apostle, what does he tell us? Let's look at verse 12. Same chapter. Same line of thought. Watch this. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. Now, let me help us. As Christians, there are seasons of life. Men and women who have faith. Men and women who are living holy lives. Men and women who are doing everything right. Will sometimes have a tough stretch in life. I'm not going to promise you that if... You go to Calvary Assembly and come to church here and, you know, and, and, and have the you know, Pastor Tony Willis study Bible and autograph picture of Pastor Tony and stuff. I'm not going to tell you life will never have a rough spot, okay? But God's going to be with you in that rough spot. And it's not going to last. Are you with me? Okay. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. How many like plenty better than need? <laughs> Stay on board in need and God will bring you to the other side. All right. Now watch this. This is critical. Look at this. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Did you see that? There's a secret. When life has its seasons, there may be a lot, there may be a little. We may have a good moment, it may be a tough one. But Paul says, there's a secret that I've learned. That when everything else is shifting and all my circumstances are unstable and the moment is not what I want, I have a secret, he says. Oh, only the Christian has a secret. There's something available to me, and that's to be thankful to Almighty God. He said, I've learned the thing that stabilizes my life, that causes the storm to get quiet in my ears. I'm in the middle of the storm, but I'm also in the middle of the will of God because I'm thankful right now, and God stabilizes me in that moment. Can anybody thank God for that? What a powerful truth that is. Let me take you to John 11. And verse 41, I'm going to skip a scripture. Go John 11, 41. Now, John 11 is a passage where Jesus' friend Lazarus has died. When Jesus arrives in uh, Bethany, the, the city of Lazarus, where he and his sisters Mary and Martha live, Lazarus has been dead four days. Now, as soon as Jesus arrives, in fact, before he can get to the house, Martha runs out to him and says, Jesus. If you would have just come the first time we called you. If you hadn't drugged your feet, Jesus, my brother wouldn't be dead today. That's not an easy way to walk into a funeral, is it? Greet you at the front door and say, this is your fault. <laughs> you, 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 you did this. You could have been here. That's pretty rough. That, that was his hello, how are you today? Okay? And so, that's the mindset. People are weeping and distraught and 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 Jesus has been accused of not caring and so he says 
well, let's go on down to the tomb. And so he arrives there. I want you to see this. And when he arrives, he says, okay, roll the tombstone away. And they're like, no, 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 we can't do that. He's been in there four days. He's, you know, decomposing. It's not pleasant. You, this thing is dead and over. Are you with me? This situation is not going to have a good ending. You failed. Just go on and leave it this way. There's nothing you can do. This thing's a mess. You missed your moment, Jesus. It's over with. Deal with it. He says, well, you roll the stone away. There's a struggle, so they rolled it away. Watch this. Then Jesus did what? Looked up. Everybody else was looking at the grave. He's looking at God. Everybody else is looking at death. He's looking at life. Everybody else is looking at impossible. He's looking at possible. And what does he do in that moment? Father, I, whoa, in every situation, give him thanks. In every situation, find the gratitude. This couldn't have been a darker moment. His friends are mad at him. Everybody's upset with him. They think he's lost his mind. Roll the stone away. Just go ahead and do it. Nobody had an expectation. Without gratitude, all we see are dead things. Without gratitude, all we see is what's lost. Without gratitude, all we see is the hopeless. But gratitude sees God when everybody else sees a grave. Gratitude sees goodness when everybody else sees misery. And what did he say? I thank you. What a prayer in the middle of that moment. Do you know that when everything else is falling around you, you can look up and say, I want you to know I thank you. I want you to know I trust you. I want you to know you're my God. I want you to see today that gratitude always precedes miracles. Gratitude precedes. See, we think gratitude comes after a miracle. (laughs) Gratitude will come before a miracle. Look at verse 42. I love this. So he starts to pray. So, Father, I want to thank you. Then he says, I knew that you always hear me. Look, he had already prayed. (laughs) But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43. And then when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen. A cloth was around his face. That's how they would prepare someone for burial. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes. And let him go. Do you see the impact of gratitude? Do you see how that walks into a situation? Do you understand the Bible says while Jesus walked this earth for 33 years, he had willingly limited himself to our human flesh and faced every impossibility you and I face? Do you know that when Jesus wrapped in our flesh in the middle of a crisis said, first, I'm going to thank you, God, that you and I can do the same thing. You and I have the same capacity and ability to do that. Now, 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 let me show you this, one more scripture about the impact of gratitude. I didn't say I was almost finished. I just, just one scripture here, all right? Psalm 100, verse 4. Let's look at this. Psalm 100 and verse 4. Watch. Enter his gates with what? And then into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Leave that up. To the Jewish people, those that the Psalms originally came to, as the Holy Spirit inspired it, they instantly connected this psalm, this verse, to the temple where they worship God. In the temple, the way to get to God in the Old Testament, there were three chambers as you moved into the presence of God. 
Only the priesthood could go in, but you know the Bible says in the New Testament, do you know what he says? That we're the priesthood of the believers now. Did you know that? The Bible says we're all priests and kings in the New Testament because of Christ. But they instantly, when they saw this, gates, thanksgiving, courts, praise, this is the picture. The temple had three chambers in it. The first way, as you wanted to access in, as the priest wanted to come into the very holy presence of God, the outer chamber, the first gate in was thanksgiving, the first gate. I enter his gate. How do I even start the process into his presence? Thanksgiving. So I come here, and then I begin to walk across the courtyard to the second chamber, the holy place. That's what praise does for me. And now I'm standing in this middle chamber of the presence of God. The only thing remaining is the holy of holies, where his presence dwelt, where a glowing cloud of his glory was there over the ark of the mercy seat, the holy of holies. And only the high priest could go in there and see him and worship him. So thanksgiving opens the gate for me to come into the presence of God. Praise keeps me moving into Him until I'm standing in His presence, worshiping God in His glory, in His face. It's powerful. But how does that start? With thanksgiving. Do you see what gratitude does for us? Gratitude and thanks, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, puts me in the will of God. According to Psalm 100, it puts me in the presence of God. It causes me to live my life the way God wired me to live. That's how God designed you and I as Christians, that in any circumstance, we can connect with God. No matter where we are and what's happening, you can take a moment and say, God, I thank you that you're with me right now. I thank you that you've never failed me right now. I just want you to know I'm grateful that you're God. In any moment, in any place, in any time, we have access to God like that. It's powerful. But as I studied this, I began to understand some situations that had not made sense to me. I couldn't comprehend some of the reactions of some of the people that had seen in Scripture. Just want to show you a couple. You're about to learn something here. Let's go to Matthew 18, beginning in verse number 23. Matthew 18, 23. I want to show you something here. Again, two very familiar passages, but we have to understand them in the context of gratitude. This is going to help us today. Matthew chapter 18, and I want to begin reading in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, history enables us to determine the value of a talent in that day. He owed 10,000 of those. Translated into dollars of today, I want you to get this. This is intentional. The debt of 10,000 talents would translate into millions of dollars today. Do you get that picture? He owed the king millions of dollars. The Bible wanted us to see the magnitude of that. Truthfully, an unrepayable debt. Are you with me? So, so this man's brought in owing millions of dollars. Verse 24. As uh, So... Uh, Pardon me, let me pull down. Uh, verse 25. Since he was not able to pay, and no one could, the master ordered that he, his wife, and his children, and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Tragic moment. Now watch this. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, begged. 
and I will pay back everything. That was an impossible statement. It's the futility of any of us thinking that we could ever do anything to earn salvation. That we could ever do anything that would be equal to what the cross does. It, it, it's, it's not going to happen. He said, just give me more time. Well, time is what got him in trouble in the beginning. <clears throat> but watch this. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now, come on, put yourself in his place. I'm having a good time that day. What about you? I just had $10 million wiped off my account. I'm feeling good. Anybody feeling good on a day like that? I'm celebrating. It's like you went to the bank and they said, you're behind. And they said, your mortgage is canceled. Come on, somebody get happy. Your car payment's canceled. Your credit card's canceled. I hope you don't have all that mess, but if you had it, your, your mortgage is canceled. Your car payment's canceled. Your credit card's canceled. Your student debt's canceled. Whatever it is, it's all done. Man, you walk out there, whoo. I mean, the Presbyterians get Pentecostal at that moment, don't they? We, you know, Holy Ghost shuffle, Jakey, Jesus. Woo! It's a good day. It's a happy day. It's a celebration day. By the way, I know some charismatic Presbyterians had to put some Pentecostals to shame. But anyway, let me go on. So it's a good day. Does everybody understand it's a good day? You're celebrating. Why? You're thankful. You're grateful. This is awesome. Man, this is good. So what did he do? You know, he's, he's probably going to go out and have a good time. It's awesome. Let's go to verse 28. When a verse you starts with the word but, it's not what you think is going to happen. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, a few dollars. Now, he had just been forgiven millions. And he finds a guy owing him a few dollars. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I mean, tell the truth. You've just been forgiven millions of dollars. And you see your buddy that owes you a few dollars. What are you going to do? You're going to say, you know what, man? I'm having a really good day. <laughs> and you're going to have a good day, too. Because those few dollars you owe me, I don't, I don't think about it anymore. We're good. We're all good. I mean, that's what you do. You're grateful. You're thankful. You're overflowing. You're just blessed. You're happy. But, but not this guy. This guy runs out and grabs a guy and chokes him for a few dollars. Why? I can tell you why. He wasn't grateful for what he'd received. He wasn't thankful for what had happened to him. No matter what happens to us, if we are not grateful and thankful for it, it's like it never took place. You can be the richest man in the world and not have a grateful heart, and you'll always be miserable. You can be the poorest man in town and have a grateful, thankful heart and live like you're a rich man. The truth of the matter is, see what I'm telling you, the impact of ingratitude is as powerful as gratitude. Without thankfulness, without gratefulness, we don't know how to enjoy what God has done for us. The parallel is this. He didn't understand grace. There are people today in the church who've been born again, saved, forgiven by the grace of God, and yet live like they don't even know what grace is like, don't even know what it likes to like to be forgiven. The truth of the matter is, it should be really hard to offend one of us. Did you get that? 
The church ought to be the no offense zone. (laughs) We should be so grateful for the grace of God that we don't even see most of the little things that bother people. It's not a big deal. Churches have got in civil wars over what color you paint the walls and how you stack the chairs and come on. Listen, we ought to be so blessed. We ought to say, put the chair on my head. I don't care. Paint the wall rainbow. I don't care. Well, maybe not rainbow, but do whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter to me. Why? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Thank God. Somebody sat in my chair. Glory to God. Somebody parked in my parking place. Hallelujah. Why? I'm thankful. I'm grateful. God's good. It's mar- Listen, you need to live your marriage like this. <laughs> We've got a lot of people that become experts on what their spouse does wrong. You know why you're like that? You're not grateful for what God's done in your life. You're not thankful for what God's done. You're not thankful for the things that happen. There are a lot of people that have lost the joy of a relationship because they lost the spirit of gratitude. They've forgotten the blessing of God, the goodness of God. Come on, anybody with me on this thing? How could a man forgiven millions choke a man for a few dollars? Because he wasn't grateful. It shifts there. We lose the perspective God did for us. Let me show you one more. This, this, this one follows the same line. Turn to Luke 15, please, in verse 11. Luke 15, 11. I know it's Thanksgiving Sunday. It's going to be okay. We're going to end up good. Just stay with me, all right? Luke 15. I want you to see this. Verse 11. You're familiar with this passage, but there's something really strong for us to learn here. <clears throat> Luke 15, 11. Jesus, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. Wow. But no one gave him anything. What happened to this prodigal son? Well, this boy wasn't grateful for what he had. He didn't understand how blessed he was. His father was a wealthy man. He was going to inherit an incredible amount of money. His life was going to be set. Good things were in store for him. He had good things right then. But he wasn't satisfied with what he had. Anybody with me? Let me help you with something. He wasn't patient because he wasn't grateful. Do you know that if you're not grateful for the season you're in and you become impatient where you are, You're going to miss the timing of God in your life. If I don't see the goodness of God where I am, I'm going to rush through something that's preparing me for a better season. That boy should have been growing up in that home learning how to run the father's business because it wasn't going to be his someday. But because he was impatient, because he wasn't grateful, because he wanted more and he wanted now, he ran away from the blessing that was his. Ingratitude will cause you to miss what you have. 
Ingratitude will cause you to be impatient. It will cause you to miss the blessings of God in your life. He wasn't thankful. He made bad choices. He made bad mistakes. He grew impatient because he wasn't thankful. There was no gratitude in his life. But let's keep reading. Thank God he reached things that were so bad, he said, you know, I'm embarrassed and I'm shamed, but I'm going to go home. And a beautiful picture of his father is how God responds to us. How many are thankful that God responds to us not as we deserve, but as we need today? Hallelujah. So the boy is seen by the father, and the father doesn't wait. He runs and grabs him and hugs him and says, Oh, my boy came back. Get his robe. Get his shoes. Get his ring. Put him on. Get the calf. We're going to celebrate. My boy's come home. It's a good day. Almost. Go to verse 28. The older brother. Now, somebody's got to teach this stuff. I don't know why it's me, but I'm going to do it, okay? He may be, well, he may be like some folks who go to church. That's all I'm going to say. Okay? You want it? Okay. All right. The older brother became angry. Wow. And refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. Now watch this. Watch this. But he answered his father. (laughs) Watch how the boy thinks. This is what ingratitude does. All these years, you hear a little tiny violin somewhere starting to play? All these years, look at this. I've been slaving for you. Whoa, tap the brake. Slaving? Hmm. I thought you were a son. I thought you owned everything around here. Huh? Slaves don't own anything. Slaves don't get paid. Slaves don't have a future. This boy's daddy owned everything. And maybe it was already his because we read earlier, watch this, that when the younger brother left, the father divided the property. He already had the deed in his hand. He already owned the ranch. He already owned the farm. And yet he says, I've been a slave here. Hmm. Let's keep reading. See the distortion of ingratitude? Everybody with me? It's too quiet for Thanksgiving morning. Y'all still with everybody? Okay. All right. So he, he, he says, look at this, and, 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 and I never disobeyed your order, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friend, but when this son of yours, oh, see, he's not, you know, he's not my brother, he's your son, but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, why, well, you kill the fatty calf for him. Watch this. Watch the father perspective. My son, the father said, you're always with me. Wow. You're with me all the time, son. I don't understand. You're always with me, and look, everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. Be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So the prodigal son got in trouble because he had no gratitude in his life. And the angry older brother got in trouble because he had no gratitude in his life. Can I help you understand this? You see, without gratitude, we lose our focus. Without gratitude, we don't know what we have. I want to help you with this. Without gratitude, what begins to happen in our life? We become judging and critical. 
You just say, well, we don't do that. Well, that's why I quit reading everybody's Facebook because I couldn't take it. But so, see, without gratitude, we become judging and critical. We begin to call names. We begin to point fingers. We begin to set ourselves above somebody who disagrees with us. Without gratitude, I become critical and judging. I can't find anything good because I forgot how good God has been to me. I become judging. I become critical. You know what else would happen? You become jealous when you already have everything you need. I'm going to tell you something today. Everything you and I have, the house I woke up in this morning, the food on my table this morning, the clothes on my back today, the car I drove in today, the health I enjoy today. Is anybody listening to me today? It's from the hand of my God. I don't want what you have. I'm not jealous of your blessing. God's been so good to me. When you bless, I'm hallelujah. When you have good things, I praise God for it. Why? Because I don't need what you have. You're not my source. You're not my focus. You're not my barometer. My God's my source. My God's my focus. I thank you, God. This older brother missed the whole point. The younger brother had been a, a, a slave. He'd been feeding pigs and eating out of a trough. And this boy had been with the father the whole time. And he's mad. I'm telling you, we've been blessed. I'm thankful. It's good. God's been good to us. Gratitude will keep me from being critical and negative and jealous, narrow in the way I live my life. Without gratitude, we don't enjoy what we do have. See? The impact of gratitude is amazing. The impact of ingratitude reverses and damages in the other way. I don't have time to go through this whole thing because it's important we do this. I want the worship team to get ready, okay? You guys get in place. Listen to me. I'd love for you to read two passages of Scripture this week. Three, I'm going to give you three. I'll give you two right now. I'd love for you to go to Romans 1 and read through Romans 1 this week. Don't do it now, but go ahead and go there this week. And it tells a story about, uh, not pardon me, the narrative of what happened to people that don't believe in God. It says that, that God has revealed himself and that we're without excuse. You look at creation, you look at everything, because it's obvious there's a God. But this is what it says. It says because they neither, neither recognized him as God, listen to me, or were thankful. Their thinking became void, empty, and dark. You know what happens in the atmosphere of not being grateful to God? I put myself in a place to be deceived. I put myself in a place where I'm not clearly seen. Ingratitude positions me. See, if gratitude moves me into the presence of God, if gratitude and thanksgiving opens a door for me to come in the Father's house, a lack of thanksgiving and gratitude shuts me up outside. And outside, I don't see what I see inside. Outside, I don't experience what I experience inside. Outside, I begin to come up with false ideas and claims. And I, you read Psalm 1, I mean Romans 1, and it shows you where man turning away from God goes all the way down to where we are in our culture today. And then you go to 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, if you read that, it says, in the last days, perilous times will come. And right in the middle of the qualities of this culture, it says they're un grateful ungrateful and then the shock down verse 5 says having a form of godliness but denying its power you know what happens to someone who says i confess christ 
but I've lost my gratitude and thanksgiving. I put myself in a place where it's dark and confusing, and, and the enemy can begin to wreak havoc in my life. Church family, what we need in the body of Christ is an outpouring of gratitude. What we need in our homes and families is an outpouring of gratitude. Can anybody say amen to that? And can I tell you something today? It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice that I make. How many could say, Pastor, God's been good to me this year? God's been faithful to me. He's been a good, gracious God. Well, here's what we're going to do. I want you to stand on your feet. I want you to put Psalm 103 up. We're going to read it out loud together. We need, to, we need to declare the goodness of God. Being thankful means I remember what you've done for me. How many remember the goodness of God? See, I'm not going to get my eyes on the grave. I'm going to get my eyes on the God who raises the people in the graves today. Hey, Amen. I'm going to make a decision. Psalm 103. Now, now here's what we're going to do. It's Sunday morning and it's church. And, 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 and I believe the body of Christ has forgotten how to celebrate. Because we lost our gratitude. Come on, I'm going to wait and let that sink in for a little while. We've lost the ability to celebrate because we've lost our ability to, have, to, be, grat- to be grateful and thankful to God. Okay? So what happened? Watch this. And Pastor, where are you headed? Well, let me tell you. The prodigal son came home, and dad was thankful, and that boy was thankful. And in the attitude of gratitude, they said, we're going to have a party around this house. The ungrateful guy says, I don't want to be in a party because I'm jealous, and I'm critical, and I'm judgmental. We're going to throw a hallelujah party right now. Now, now don't look at me with the side eyes right now, okay? I don't want to see it. Because some of you used to know how to party. I mean, I'm just going to tell you the truth. You, you don't have to act like you. I mean, you, you got some moves. You still got some moves. See, the only problem was you were just dancing with the wrong partner. <laughs> I'm going to say that over here. It wasn't your dancing that was a problem. You were dancing with the wrong partner. That was the problem. You, you understand? So, so... <laughs> There was a guy back in the 70s, he's gone on, one of the early popular Christian music writers, and everybody was still, I'm trying to think of the proper language, having a fit, because you can't say freaking out in church. So when everybody was having a fit, that you played the drums and a guitar in church back in those days. This guy wrote a song called, Why Does the Devil Have All the Good Music? And that went over like a lead balloon in the church in that day. But his point was, let's celebrate. God's been good to us. I'm happy today. I'm blessed today. I'm praying every day. God, get rid of the coronavirus. God, get rid of the pain and the suffering. God, get rid of this. It, when, it, when one person dies, it's been too many. Come on. When one person dies, it's been too many. But in the middle of that, I'm going to thank God that everybody hasn't died. I'm going to thank God for who's been well. I'm going to thank God for how he's brought us through. I'm going to thank God that we've handed out whatever it was, 84,000 pounds of food this year. I'm going to thank God for that. I'm thankful today. I'm thankful. I want a lot of things to change, but I'm thankful in the midst of that. Gratitude will celebrate. Ingratitude will not. Okay, you with me? You kind of understand what we're going to do here? All right. So I want you to read this out loud with me. I want to hear you, okay? We're going to talk about what we're thankful for here. All right, this isn't just nebulous. It's real. Ready? Come on, let's read it. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Come on, why? Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. All right? Don't forget and become ungrateful. You ready? 
who forgives all our sins. Come on. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Come on, church. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed. Oh, I like this one better every year. Come on. Okay. Well, let's keep going. Verse 6. <laughs> the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Stop for a minute. We are the most offended, oppressed culture in the history of America. Everybody's mad at somebody. Everybody wants justice. I want justice. But I'm going to help you out today. It's not going to come from the White House. It's not going to come from the outhouse. It's not going to come from a donkey. It's not going to come from an elephant. It's going to come from the throne of Almighty God. And He said, I will give you justice. I will help the oppressed. Come on. Quit fussing and cussing about what man did or did not do and begin to look to the God who's the source of justice and favor. I'm trying not to preach. Go to verse 7. Come on, let's keep reading. He made known his ways to Moses. Let me hear you. His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not, look at this, accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Look at this. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Come on. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Don't forget these things. Next verse. East is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from. Oh, I'm getting happy. Come on, a couple more verses. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. One more. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are done. God's for you and not against you today. He's slow to anger, rich in mercy, kind in all of his ways, knows who you are, calling you home, prodigal sons and daughters, calling you home if we've forgotten our praise, calling us to the party of gratitude today. Come on. I want to hear the church be thankful today. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.